Hello there, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of Yins Are Good, the podcast that shares all of the good stuff happening in the Pittsburgh area and sometimes beyond, and all the good people who are making that good stuff happen. I am your host, Tressa Glover. And gosh, I hope you all are well, uh, staying healthy and safe. This episode drops on August 13th, 2021, and we are seeing an uptick in COVID cases, the Delta variant, uh, causing some problems. We're having some wild weather across the country. Uh, so I hope that as you are listening to this, you are safe and healthy and if you're like me, wondering where the heck the summer actually went. But I would hazard a guess that this summer, as fleeting as it may feel or have felt, um, that it provided you with at least one moment, one interaction where someone helped you, made your day better, gave you some hope. Please do share that with us. You know how to do it. Our uh, automated 800 toll free number. A lot of descriptors there. 1 399 good or send an email to yinsaregood at gmail.com. You know, we want to hear from you. So, as you know, Yins Are Good made an appearance at the Swissvale Edible Garden Tour last Saturday. And oh my goodness, it was awesome! Oh, I want to give a shout out to the folks uh, from the tour who helped us uh, set up our new canopy. Could not have done it without you. Literally could not have done it. Uh, So thank you for that. Uh, We had such fun. And our table actually was next to Contemporary Craft. They are awesome as well. They are in Lawrenceville. So please do check them out whenever you have a chance. And I got to meet some really generous, funny, kind, unique people that afternoon. You're going to hear from a few of them in this very episode. One woman in particular, Lorraine, uh, is going to make you smile and or laugh. I pretty much guarantee it. And another gentleman, Mark, uh, shared with me just an inspiring story And I am going to share that story with you as well. Who else are you going to hear from this episode? How about Family House, Thrive, Sent with Love? Remember all of them from previous episodes. They have some fabulous updates to share with us. You are not going to want to miss those. You're going to hear from them. And my friends, we have a new guest on name that neighborhood. What? It's true. Don, getting a breather this week. We all know how happy he is about that. So we are going to see how our new guest does. we got a lot to cover here, and I am just so grateful that we do and that you are tuning in to hear it. So what do you say? Without further ado, let's get to the good stuff. (laughs) 
Okay, so at the Swissvale Edible Garden Tour, folks are welcome to come on up and share a story, as you know, where we could record it live. They could write it down. We also had dry erase boards that had different fill-in-the-blanks or things about Pittsburgh. And so one was, you know, what's your favorite thing about Pittsburgh? And so that is what inspired Lorraine to tell us this story. So start first. So tell us about you, your name, what neighborhood yes, you live in. Yes, I'm Lorraine Starsky. I'm a registered nurse. I live in Swiss Helm Park. I've lived there for uh, 27 years. I love Swiss Helm Park. I love Pittsburgh. I love Western Pennsylvania. And the best thing I love about Pittsburgh is pizza. And let me explain why. <laughs> okay, so I grew up in Northern Beaver County. And so, Buku Italians, okay, Buku Italians in Beaver County, Lawrence County, all through Western PA, including Pittsburgh, okay, and pr probably Point South. So, I grew up eating great pizza. I, I, I took it for granted, you know? <laughs> it's like your birthright. You just don't take it, you just don't think about it. Okay, so my first husband grew up in Rochester, New York. Also, Buku Italians. And he also ate great pizza. Never thought too much about it. So then, when we first got married, we were living in Cleveland. Now, Cleveland also, Buku Italians. In fact, they had uh, they had an area of Little Italy. So I'm setting this up. Why? Because we decide we're going to move. We couldn't handle Cleveland. The weather was just horrible. The last winter we were there, we got 90. I say 9-0, so people don't think it's 19. Nine zero inches of snow. So we're like, okay, where are we going to move to? Well, my husband was from a Jewish heritage. So he's like, eh, I don't want to move below the Mason-Dixon line, you know. So we researched, and this is back in the era when you couldn't do this online. You had to go to the library. So we researched that Cincinnati only got like an average of 30 inches of snow fall per winter. We thought, hey, it's above the Mason-Dixon line, and let's move there. And I was happy because it was hills. It reminded mm -hmm. me of Western PA, whereas Cleveland's all flat. So then we go out to eat pizza. We're like, what? What? This was really bad pizza. <laughs> oh, I mean, bad. Imagine a saltine cracker crust with Campbell's tomato soup on top. Oh, no. oh, it was truly an abomination. <laughs> and we were like, what? But then the longer we were there, we figured out what the problem was. So Cincinnati, unlike Rochester, New York, unlike, you know, Western Pennsylvania, was so undiverse. Um, there was German immigration there after Germany had a um, major uh, revolutionary uprising to have more democracy based on the American Revolution in 1848. And it was smashed by the uh, autocracy, the Prussians, you know, whatever. So all these Germans fled here. That's when you saw your major wave of Germans. 
There were virtually no Italians, no Eastern Europeans. People were giving me a hard time about my maiden name. Like, what is this name? I got so pissed. One time I lost my temp temper and I said, look, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. And let me tell you something. A name like Brown or Smith, that's nothing. You don't get any respect unless your name has at least three or four syllables. Augustinelli, Warwazinski. Now those are names you can wrap your tongue around. So quit giving me a hard time about my last name. But that's because they had virtually no Eastern Europeans, no Italians. And that's why they didn't have good pizza. Anyhow. We were just, we lived there for 10 years in the search for good pizza. It was like the search for the Holy Grail. It was like Moses in the desert. And you know, people, we would complain about this vociferously. And people would say to us, oh, well, this restaurant, they got good pizza. Well, we'd run over there, you know, and only to be sorely disappointed. Bad. Very bad pizza. Okay, now I just so that I don't offend anyone from Cincinnati, I will say this was in the 80s. Maybe they finally got it together. Ah, okay. Okay, Fair this was in the 80s, so I, I will make that disclaimer. So, all right, so now the story has kind of a sad element. So my first husband died in Cincinnati. Hmm. Poor guy, never got good pizza. And... <laughs> And, and I have to say this, he, he didn't like Cincinnati, not just for the pizza, but there were other problems. Morris and I were very involved in the anti-Klan network because they were always, the Klan was always buzzing around Cincinnati. Wow. So anyway, long story short, he dies. His parting words were, do not, do not ever put my ashes here I wouldn't be caught dead in Cincinnati so <laughs> I know it's funny so anyway I took his ashes with me to Pittsburgh so then I, I decide I, I'm going to reinvent myself mm -hmm. I'm going to go and become a nurse so I applied to Pitt nursing school I find an apartment in Squirrel Hill on Douglas Street so, this was April of 90. And so, whatever tabloid magazine back then, you know, mm. Pittsburgh, whatever. So, I get it. It's the best of issue. And I get it. And I flip through it. And I'm like, best pizza? Minio's? Douglas and Murray? I'm like, oh my God. I'm on Douglas. And I just moved in. I hadn't checked out the neighborhood. Yeah. So, I'm... I practically run down there, and I go in, I order a slice because I was dubious. I get the slice, and I bite into it, and oh my God, I am just sobbing. Tears of joy are, 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 are just, you know, they're just falling down my cheeks, and everybody in the place is looking at me like, what? They thought, you know, I had just heard some bad news or something. They right. go, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, oh my God, you don't understand. I've been in Cincinnati for 10 years and never could find any good pizza. Oh my God, this is just the best. And that's a true story. <laughs>
Oh, Lorraine. <laughs> Isn't she great? Uh, and she actually stayed around for probably close to an hour and continued to share stories and chat. And it certainly made for a very fun afternoon. Uh, and if you go to our Instagram page, you will see a picture of Lorraine. Uh, she was had this big handmade flower that she carried around with her all day throughout the tour. And also, I met um, a woman, Peg Watt Morse, and she is a doctor here in the Pittsburgh area. And she shared um, a fill in the blank. I'd like to thank blank for blank. Now, I have to admit, I had some trouble deciphering her handwriting. I didn't see it till after she had gone. So this is what I believe it says. So I'd like to thank blank for blank. I'd like to thank Aldora for loving neighbors, plants, stars, and her sense of justice. So Peg, if you are listening, and if I got any <laughs> anything wrong there, please let me know. Um, but thank you so much for sharing. And not only that, but Peg and I ended up talking for a bit of time, and I'm not even sure how it came up, but we realized that we uh, both had lost our mothers within two months of each other. And both suddenly, her mom passed away this past January. And it's what I've talked about on this podcast and what I hope this podcast can do for all of us. The more we talk to each other and share our stories with each other, the more we realize what we have in common. We find new people who we can share with, perhaps get through some tough times or some good times with, but it's only through listening to each other and talking with each other that we're able to find all this out and find that we really are a lot more alike than we are different. And also, uh, I met a gentleman by the name of Mark, and he has recently moved to Pittsburgh from New York City. Turns out he is also a doctor. Uh, he often works in Uganda, actually, in Ugandan communities. And he is based in Pittsburgh now. And he told me such an inspiring story, as I mentioned. And it was once he found out, he was asking about the podcast and what it's all about. And as I was telling him, he said, well, you know, it reminds me of a story. Uh, not directly that it happened to me, but that I know of. And so he told me, and we weren't recording, and when he was finished, I said, oh my gosh, can I share that? He said, yes, please do. So this is my version <laughs> of Mark's story as I uh, remember it. But he, uh, one of his sons played collegiate baseball, and so for a few years, he and his wife would spend time in Tucson where they would play, and they would stay at an Airbnb there. And the woman who ran this Airbnb, her name is Jeanette, and he noticed, this was a lovely place to stay, and he noticed throughout the house, there were these ceramic bells. And you know, he notices these bells, very interesting. And then he noticed that kindness was written on each of them. And he thought, well, that's lovely. <laughs> you know, that's Okay, so then as he's spending more time there, he notices now he's out in the community and there's a mural. 
and he notices and it says kindness and then in the corner it says Ben's bells and so he's starting to put this together wait a minute <laughs> there are bells in the house I'm staying in and it, they have kindness written on them and now there's a mural he's uh. so he finally did ask Jeanette so what's the deal with the, with these bells and she then shared with him her story and Ben was the name of her son who died just before his third birthday. He had gotten sick and it turned into pneumonia and he died from that. And as she tells it, she understandably was distraught and actually for several years was in a deep depression and ended up going through a divorce, uh, but really couldn't find a way out of the way she was feeling. And she said, after all of this time, it was one day she was going into a store and there's a gentleman at the door and he just holds the door open for her. And she said, thank you and walked through the door. But something in that moment struck her about the power of small acts of kindness. And in that, as might be described, tiniest of moments, it began to change her and to change her life. And she decided to start creating these bells, and she would call them Ben's Bells, as a reminder of the importance of kindness and how it can change lives. And Ben's Bells is now a nonprofit. Actually, it has been since 2003. Um, based in Tucson. And the goal of it is to teach individuals and communities about the positive impacts of intentional kindness and to inspire people to practice kindness as a way of life. So from that gesture on that day at that time, it helped pull Jeanette out of the great sorrow and difficulties that she was experiencing. And now how she has paid it forward in such a way and now as this nonprofit affecting so many. And I am so grateful to Mark for sharing that story and to Jeanette for all she is doing to help others now. And so to Lorraine <laughs> and her first husband, Morris, I'll include him in that again to Mark and to Jeanette and to Peg and Eldora. Yins are good. And now let's hear the latest from Family House and Thrive and a little note from Sent with Love. Hi, Tressa. This is Jennifer March calling from Family House to wish you a very Happy one-year anniversary on your program, Yins Are Good. Congratulations to you. It's been a while since we've spoken, and a lot has happened at Family House. The biggest thing being we just purchased a brand-new, brand-new-to-us facility where we will be able to consolidate all of our operations into one beautiful, stately location, the former Courtyard Marriott Hotel 
uh, located on Liberty Avenue across from UPMC Shadyside Hospital. So we will be able to serve all of our 20,000 guests each year in one beautiful location. And as you know, we serve people who are traveling to Pittsburgh for medical care at any one of our world-class hospital systems. So that is our biggest news. And if you want to chat more about it, oh, my gosh, I'd love to do so. But, again, happy anniversary. Congratulations, Tressa. And I look forward to talking to you again. Jennifer, that is so fabulous. Congratulations to you all, to your entire team. You know, we just love all of the work that you're doing and the way that you're helping so many people at a time when they really, really need it. And I actually wanted to add a little more. Um, Al Villano, who is the board chair of Family House, said, quote, this is a big win for Family House and that we are able to consolidate operations under one roof. The second win is that as an essential partner to all Pittsburgh healthcare systems, this location remains within close proximity to our region's world-class hospitals, with which we have partnered for nearly 40 years. Ah, again, congratulations to you all. And now let's hear from Pauline at Thrive Pittsburgh. She says, since we last spoke, Thrive has continued to expand its network in an effort to reach out to and serve a greater number of refugees and immigrants in the Pittsburgh area. As you may know, thankfully, refugees are again beginning to arrive in the United States. Thrive has begun ramping up our services to help both government and faith-based organizations meet the needs of the refugees who arrive in Pittsburgh. First, we continue our partnership with Jewish Family and Community Services by offering welcome bags to refugee children upon arrival and fulfilling wish lists of immigrant families to help them ease into a new life in Pittsburgh. During COVID, we spearheaded a new project that could accommodate social distancing, the Welcome Blanket Knit Along, where volunteers knitted and crocheted blanket squares for a lap blanket or created an entire blanket. These blankets were not only beautiful, but kept our new neighbors warm during the cold winter months of early 2021. Secondly, in the last month, we began a new partnership with Ajapo, another refugee settlement agency in Pittsburgh. Thrive has begun providing welcome bags for their refugee clients also. They are expecting between 50 and 100 refugee families to arrive through September. So there's a great need to help fill their wish list items. So please check out the Thrive website to see how you can help. In addition, Ajapo is interested in identifying refugee families as potential supper club hosts, where those men and women who love to cook and share their culture can earn money to support their families in their new country. In spite of the pandemic, we hope to offer these supper club opportunities as pickup food events and virtual cultural experiences until further notice. Finally, Thrive has also connected this year with Agapao Ministry, which is a faith-based organization serving refugees in the South Hills. And side note, this is Tressa speaking. I looked up Agapao as I was unfamiliar with the word, and it actually comes from a Greek word meaning to love unconditionally. So it's the Agapao Ministry. Back to Pauline. They are also interested in partnering with us in offering supper club opportunities to the people they serve in their ministry. Thrive is planning on attending one of their outdoor events where they plan to build a community center 
to serve those they work with, to further explore how we can work together. We are looking forward to expanding our programs to reach more refugees and immigrants throughout the rest of 2021 and into 2022. Oh my gosh, Pauline, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And listeners, uh, in addition to Thrive's website, I will include Ajapo and Agapao's websites in our show notes. And also, of course, Family House. And the next one I have coming up here to share with you. And this would be a note that I received from Ellen from Sent With Love. You may recall uh, episode 25, I chatted with Ellen and Shannon. She sent a picture, these three pictures of beautiful flowers. And she said, just a little sneak peek preview of how yins are good is multiplying good. I took flowers from a wedding reception last night and today's Trader Joe's donation to When She Thrives event today. And you may remember that Ellen mentioned uh, in the episode that she had connected with When She Thrives after hearing them on our show. I am so happy to hear that. And if you go to our website, you'll see the flowers of which she is speaking. I just love it. And my heart is full after sharing just, you know, these from three of, of these organizations, their updates. Thank you. Thank you all so much for the work you're doing. Hey, yins are good too. And we all know what that little tune means. It is time for Name That Neighborhood. And as I already said, Don is not our guest this day, but rather Dan. Dan is the guest for this episode 27. But I am doing this little intro because we had, there were a few seconds in the beginning of our chat that cut out inexplicably, and they were kind of important. So I'm going (laughs) to relay them now to you. Dan, in the efforts of full disclosure, is my uncle. Uh, But he's married to Inez, who is my mom's sister. And I did mention both of them on the episode. They sent that wonderful Valentine to us back in February. And Dan wanted to try his hand at Name That Neighborhood. And so you're going to hear Name That Neighborhood right now. And now you will have some context for some of the things we're talking about in the beginning. Hello. Hello, Tressa. <laughs> well, hello there, Dan. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Thank Yay. you. It is an honor to be part of this. I appreciate the invite. <laughs> Don has nothing to worry about as it relates to his uh, his track record, but uh, <laughs> we'll certainly find out. I kind of feel like you're a fan of Elf, I believe, correct? Uh, yes, indeed I am. So when Will Ferrell's standing next to the store manager and he said, Santa's coming. (laughs) And you see him. I know him. I know him. So uh, that's that's the level of energy I have on this end. I don't know if it's outwardly projected, but certainly it's exciting to be here. Oh, I'm just loving that image. I need a minute to just really take that in. (laughs) Well, I'm happy. That you're here and that you you want to take a shot at this. I'm so glad. 
I, I often get text messages from you. And she lets me know how you both did on Name That Neighborhood when you play it um, as you listen. Yeah, I, uh, I generally don't share my record. I know Inez is rather <laughs> upfront about hers, but uh, <laughs> mine is maybe not as strong as hers. We will find out mm-hmm. how that mm-hmm. turns out today. But uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, we are avid listeners. Uh, Inez and I are uh, faithful followers of Yins Are Good. I've actually shared it with a number of friends. Hopefully uh, they're now listening. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And um, we have, we live in Oakmont, three boys, and it, it may be a disappointing point that I was not born and raised in Pittsburgh, but I spent more than half my life here. So I feel like I'm a, an adopted Pittsburgher. Yeah, I think so. I think if we, I mean, I'm, I'm working the numbers a little bit, but I think if it's over half <laughs> and you married a Pittsburgher and... There's got to be an algorithm for that. Like, yeah. what's, what's, the, what's the cutoff point of, okay, maybe we'll let them in, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'll allow it, you know? <laughs> so, should we, should we get started here? Let's do it. So, here are... The two neighborhoods hmm, from which you're choosing. We have Lawrenceville Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and Braddock. Uh, that's <laughs> or Braddock. That's a tough one for me, but uh... <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I believe in you. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> oh, and there are going to be four questions, by the way. Statements. Oh, I still do that. For statements of fact. All right. Number one. This neighborhood houses the grave sites of baseball legend and Hall of Famer Josh Gibson. I I'm going to go with Braddock. Oh no! No! Oh, it's okay. Out of the gate, I stumble. It's okay. That's all right. It happens. So here's the thing. It actually is Lawrenceville because he is buried in Allegheny Cemetery. Oh. Yeah. I knew that. See, I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Let's talk more about him, shall we? Yeah, love to hear about him. And that. I know you're a baseball fan. So yes. here we have him. So Gibson, okay, so yes, was a star, of course, in the Negro League in the two decades before the integration of baseball. And he actually played for both of Pittsburgh's teams, the Homestead Grays. He was there for 14 years. And then the Pittsburgh Crawfords for five years. And as a sidebar, um, Pittsburgh was the only city to have two Negro League teams, by the way, and he played for both. But anywho, he was considered the best power hitter of his era in the Negro League and perhaps even the majors, even though he was never able to play in them. So born in 1911 in Georgia, his family moved to Pittsburgh when he was 10 years old. And he joined the Crawford Colored Giants, which was a semi-pro team here in Pittsburgh. But he actually became a professional ball player kind of by accident in 1930. He was sitting in the stands watching a a Homestead Grays game. 
when their catcher, Buck Ewing, injured his hand. And so they asked Gibson to replace him because his powerful home runs were already well-known in the area. And the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, now official records from the Negro League are scarce, unfortunately. But a couple things we do know. Um, Okay, his rookie year batting average was 461. Wow. Right? Well, if you get pulled out of the stands by the guys on the team, you have to be good, right? It's not like, well, let's just pick someone. They, they're going to pick someone they know is good. So yeah. he had to have a, a reputation early on. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He's, you know, considered one of the greatest, if not the sports greatest home run hitter. They say that he hit a 580-foot home run in Yankee Stadium. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so, and he was on nine all-star squads. And wow. really, only second to Satchel Page also played in Pittsburgh, another of course. Another prominent, yes, another yes. prominent player. And here's, and I actually didn't know this, that he died suddenly. He was only 35 years old. Oh. Yeah, he died in 1947. Um, and it, that was actually just a few months before Jackie Robinson, of course, broke the color line in the major leagues. Mm. But he died, yeah. And then he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1972. So, Josh Gibson. All right, let's try another, shall we? Yes, please. <laughs> You're coming back. You're yes. Coming back. I'm anxious for a recovery question <laughs> or a statement. Excuse statement. Me. I know, right? Okay. The first European settler of this neighborhood was able to settle here because Queen Aliquippa, the leader of the Seneca tribe, granted him hundreds of acres of land. I'm going to say Braddock. Yay! Oh, there you go. Malfred Schneid. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Yes, it is. So, okay, so John Fraser would be that first European settler. Uh, he was Scottish and he was a trader, <laughs> not like a Napoleon. The uh, traded goods, I should say. I realize how that could sound. Um, and so he built a cabin near the mouth of Turtle Creek. This was in the 1740s. It is now, it is where the Edgar Thompson Steelworks ended up mm. being. Carnegie's, yeah. Um, so we're North Braddock. And this was, this area was just a portion of all of those acres that Queen Aliquippa gave to him. And he settled his family on the location. And in 1753, so we're talking uh, French and Indian War time here, um, Christopher Gist, who was a frontier scout, and General George Washington uh, met with him while they were delivering messages um, from you know the commanders in Virginia to people to the commanders in the Pittsburgh region. Um, so between the British and the French, and there you have it. So this was and Fraser actually because he could tell that a great conflict was on the horizon. He actually went back to Philadelphia in 1754 because he'd actually come over, started in Philly. I don't think they called it Philly then, but I did. Um, (laughs) Came to Pittsburgh, but then when he knew all this was happening, he's like, I'm going to get out of here because, and he was right. Yep. Smart man. All right. Number three. I mean, why not? Okay. 
If you're looking for the Wallace Mansion, built in 1791 and later used as a ladies' seminary, you would go to this neighborhood. The Wallace Mansion. So, gosh, I'm thinking... Sounds like Braddock was an early neighborhood, and I would think a mansion would go there first. So I'm going to go with Braddock again. Woohoo! Oh, yes. Yes, well thought out. It is true. So, yes, and this is, um, let's see, the mansion was in the Braddock's Field area. So, again, French and Indian wartime here. So, the, okay, British commander at Fort Pitt, his name was Captain Edmund Stone, he, this is all about giving hundreds of acres of land to people, he gave 328 acres, right from King George, to a fella named Peter Rowletter. Rowletter then sold it to a judge in Pittsburgh named George Wallace, and that was in 1791, and he built a mansion there as his summer home. And then after his death, some things happened. His nephew actually lost the deed, not lost it physically, <laughs> but lost control of it. Right. Although it's funny to think of it that way. Um, then it was used as a boarding school called the Edgeworth Ladies Seminary. This is during the 1830s. And it was the first of its kind west of the Alleghenies. And the tuition was $3 per week. Wow, that's actually, that sounds high, actually. Yeah, because 1830s. Right. Who has $3 yeah, in the 1830s? I, exactly. Pretty exclusive know. school, it sounds like. Yeah, yep, agreed. Well, hey, you're on, you're on the upswing here, not jinxing yeah. anything, of course. All right. Doing my <laughs> All right. Here we are, number four. Here we go. This neighborhood is home to the Doughboy statue, originally created as a memorial to those who served in World War One. I. I am 90% sure this is Lawrenceville. I've actually seen this statue, but God, I hope I'm right. You are right. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Believe. Yes, sir, it is. It's right at the intersection of Penn Avenue and Butler Streets. Okay, so a little history of it. So, as I said, it was created as a memorial to World War One, but it's interesting because that wasn't the original intention. The original intention was um, the town was just trying to raise money to be used to fight the war, right? Trying to raise money. But the war ended before they hit their goal, I suppose, of the money. And so they had some money. What should they do? So then they ended up building this monument and it has been updated over the years because especially when uh with all of the steel mills of course and the quality of air was so poor that the base you know it was actually deteriorating so now it's on a base of marble and limestone and it has bronze tablets that list if you've seen that tablet there it actually lists 3100 residents of that area who served in world war ii and including the 53 who were killed in action. So that's wow. who's listed, or, you know, when you see that. And they had a parade that attracted 4,000 people 
wow. when they kind of unveiled it. Yeah, right in that area there. And I want to mention too, because this idea of where the term doughboy comes from. Yes. Not related to Pillsbury. This was before that, of course. But there's a couple of different um, theories. But one of them actually dates back to the Mexican War of 1846 through 1848. And because the infantrymen, that's easy to say, um, made were making really long journeys over dusty terrain. And so it, it appeared as if they were covered in flour, perhaps, or dough. But a variation of that is also the dust of adobe and soil. And that kind of morphed adobes into dobies into dough boys. And then a way that um, the infantrymen would keep, and this would be the Continental Army, the way they kept the piping on their uniforms white, they would put clay Right, some of that same, perhaps like from the you know where they were, onto it. But then when they got rained on, the clay turned parts of the uniform into doughy blobs. Hence, doughboy. I so have heard of that cool. second one. I did know about the trying to keep the uniforms white. You can imagine how hard that had to be. But uh, yeah, I didn't didn't realize uh, the other story. So yeah, always an educational topic here with name that neighborhood <laughs> i try you know i do my best oh my gosh three for four how do you feel i uh stumbled out of the gate mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. maybe face planted um some <laughs> might say but uh, made a made a comeback so uh we'll see uh we'll see if don can can match that his next time through oh uh, boy we will mm -hmm. see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We will see. I'm just so happy to have you on here. Well, Tress, it's always delightful. I always enjoy listening to the podcast. It has such a positive vibe, upbeat. Hopefully, I added a little bit to that with uh, my vision of health. Uh, to me, that's, <laughs> that is the genesis of excitement when I, when I see that little <laughs> clip. It totally is. <laughs> so... Uh, so thank you. I appreciate the invite. It has been an honor to be with you, and I'm glad I didn't make a fool of myself here on Name That Neighborhood. So thank you very much for this opportunity. And that, my friends, is going to do it for us. Episode 27. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Thank you again for listening in and thank you to all the folks who shared stories and shared their time and thank you Dan for your very good work on name that neighborhood please do keep reaching out to us uh 1-833-399-GOOD or yinsaregood at gmail.com and reach out not just with a moment or a story or a time when someone made your life better, but any thoughts you may have uh, about the podcast, about anything you've heard on the podcast thus far. If you have any ideas of some folks that you would like me to chat with, please do let me know. And so until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thanks to Laura Custer, Katie Dement, and as 
always, for our most fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.